Sometimes when you're sitting in the dispatcher's chair, you've got your headset on and you're on the phone with a caller, you might think to yourself, you got this whole thing figured out. You know exactly what sort of call this is. You know how to handle it. You know what police will do. And you know how the call is going to end. But there are the rare occasions that you get something that you know in your mind is 100% accurate and either the circumstances greatly change as the call goes on, or it might just be nothing like what the caller is saying at all. Even a heavily trained and seasoned veteran dispatcher can be thrown a curveball every now and then. That's the way this episode today will go. I'll be talking about things that aren't initially as they seem. And I'd like you out there listening to see if you can try to anticipate where these calls will go within the first bit of the calls. Some of these threw me for a loop too. And that first loop starts in the town of Cary, North Carolina. Welcome back to Music City 911. processing the call for you. Just got to ask you some questions. Mm-hmm. Oh, delay the response. Give me one moment here. I'm going to go ahead and start processing this for you. And I'll just have to ask you some questions for the responders. This is not going to slow anything down. All right. <clears throat> Okay. 
All right, well, the fire department is being sent. Sam, I'll tell you exactly what to do next. Just don't try to put the fire out, and if it's safe to do so, just leave the area now, avoiding any hazards. If it's safe to do so, just keep all bystanders away from the area and meet the firefighters in a safe location. I'll let you go now. Help is on the way. If anything worse is anyway, just call us back immediately for further instructions. We've got help requested. Yeah, they've got two RVs in the yard. Okay. All right, we'll let the firefighters know. Thank you so much. And that's a huge plume of smoke that they can fall off. Local fire department personnel were dispatched to the scene of what is categorized as an outside fire. An outside fire can be anything from a brush or grass fire, an open burn in someone's yard, or a dumpster fire. Pretty much anything that isn't a structure or a vehicle. This is a very routine call that most departments handle with great frequency. Most of the time, depending on the size of the fire and how fast it's spreading, a single fire engine can handle these types of fires with either a fire extinguisher or a three-quarter to one-inch booster line, which is a little larger than what you might have at home for your garden hose. This fire was described by the caller with a varying height of the flames and looked to be anywhere up to 20 feet wide. Once on the scene and geared up, crews went around to the backyard of a house in the 600 block of Dorset Drive just a little after 7 a.m. to extinguish this outside fire. Once they started pouring water on the fire, located in a homemade fire pit, they could tell the contents were mostly trash and debris from a home renovation. Just moments after starting to tame the fire, they noticed something much different than the discarded pieces of the home. And the fire was a body. Police were immediately called to the scene. Once there, officers were shown the body, which was burned and charred so badly that they couldn't initially tell the sex or race of the person. After a search of the home and area surrounding, another person was found. This one, a male with what appeared to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound that was in critical condition. He was located in one of two RVs on the property. This all happened on Sunday, March 19th of this year, just a couple weeks ago. Police have since identified the burned victim as 34-year-old Cecily Ann Walker, a resident of Raleigh, North Carolina, and the male with the self-inflicted gunshot wound as 35-year-old Elon DeLauder. Ian was the homeowner of that location on Dorset Drive. He had been doing extensive renovations to the interior of the house and had been living in one of the RVs there on the property. The relationship between Ian and Cecily has yet to be confirmed. Ian was transported to a local hospital where he remained in critical condition for several days and then later died. Before he finally passed away, Police said they could issue up to 40 different charges on him, depending on the outcome of his condition. This isn't the first time that police have had a run-in with Ian by a long shot. Going back to 2022, police have had 18 calls to the house for various reasons, including an armed robbery in November and Ian being arrested in February on cocaine possession charges. The exact time and cause of death of Cecily hasn't been ascertained yet, as her body is still in possession of the local medical examiner. 
To say that this next call was quite a bit different from the first is an understatement. Hello? Hi, sir. I'm calling from the Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Office. Yes. Hi. Um, I'm just calling because we received the report from Border Patrol. Yes. So I'm just calling to get more information. So what happened? You're going to have to send um, an officer out here. Okay, what's going on? I can't. I'm sorry? It's very serious, ma'am, and I can't. I'm not going to talk over the telephone. Okay, I understand it's serious, but I need more context in order to send a deputy. Okay, fine. It's going to be... uh, Go ahead, you can talk to me. What's going on? Yeah, I know I can talk to you, but you're responsible for what I say, and I'm responsible for what I say. Uh, can you give me a little context of what what happened? What's going on? Uh, you told them that I'm you not shot sure. at I, I'm, I, What I, did you shoot at? I didn't shoot at any... I haven't said I shot at anything. Okay, uh, well, that's what Border Patrol told us, so that's why I'm just asking you. Yeah, yeah. The, y'all guys... you. The Nogales Sheriff's Department had four or five guys out here this afternoon investigating a border patrol drug running incident. Uh-huh. Uh And I don't and I don't know if you I can't remember the the officer's name. There was two gentlemen and two y- young ladies, uh-huh. uh, maybe third. Do you know who I'm talking about? They came out to 100 Willow Cross Circle. You you mean for my deputies, correct? Yeah, they were they were Nogales. Yeah, I'm aware of what happened earlier. Uh huh. You're aware. Okay, then they're aware of what happened, and uh, I don't want to get you in trouble, and I, I don't want to get me in trouble, or I, but I don't want to break the law or anything like that. So, what I'm telling you is that uh, we need a sheriff deputy out here, 100 Will Across Circle. Immediately, and that's all I can say, ma'am. Okay, is uh, anyone hurt? I need to know because if someone's hurt, I need to send an ambulance too. There's, there's no, there's no. Okay, do you feel more comfortable talking to a deputy over the phone? Uh, well, in other words, okay. You know, you know the thing. You have the right to remain silent, and anything you can, I understand. Uh, anything you say can and will be held against you uh, in a court of law. I'm not, I'm not admitting to anything I've done, but you know, all those things tend to add up. And I don't know what happened. I just know what I, I just saw about 15 minutes ago, and it's something that an ambulance cannot help. EMTs cannot help. Uh, there's, there's, there's nothing out here that that can be aided by EMT uh, or emergency services. There's, uh... Okay. I understand you don't want to give me a lot of details, but um, why you are requesting an officer from me, so I just needed to know for their own safety and your safety a little bit of what's happening, what's going on. Okay. Uh, I'll put it like this. Last spring out here uh there was a a pickup found on 
East Sagebrush uh, with a dead lady in it. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you knew of that or not. Um, uh, yes, sir. I'm, I'm aware of what happened. Okay. It's a, it's a situation similar to that. How's that? Okay. You, you, you follow? You understand what I'm saying? I it's a situation exactly like that. Okay. Um, and, and so that's going to require the sheriff to come out here. Okay. Can you tell me a description of is the no, vehicle? I, I don't. I don't have a description. There's not a vehicle. Okay. Uh, the only thing that I was referring to in conjunction with the that incident? accident was was the body. Okay. You got it? Okay. All right. What is, okay. Can I have your name? Yes. George Kelly. George Kelly. Okay, George, would you, if my deputy goes over there, would you take him to whatever it yes, is that you yes, found? Yes. I have it marked. I have a okay. flashlight on over it because uh, it's going to be dark when he gets here probably, but I'll take it to him. Uh, just. Uh, and you are sure an EMT cannot help I am positive. I have a medical background. A EMT cannot help. Okay. Do you know whoever it is that you saw? No, I do not know. I didn't say it was anybody. I just said it was a body. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I'm not. I'm not trying to be smart, ma'am. I'm no, just trying I'm just, to. I'm, you're trying to be careful, and I get that. However, um, I hope you understand that on my end, I have to take care of my deputies too. So I just yes, needed I a little bit more context as to why you needed a deputy to head out there. Yeah, now you know that okay. that there is a body here. Okay. All right. Does it look um, somewhere? It's, it's not alive. So you asked, did you need EMT? I said no. Okay. I'm sure a coroner. A coroner will be involved sooner or later. I understand. Uh, George, can you tell me something? Um, is it discolored from somewhere? Is it discolored? Yes. What does that mean? Um, has it been there for a while? Can you tell? Mm, uh, from from what? In that in that I only approached the body to make sure that the animal, uh, it's not a vegetable or a mineral, the animal wasn't alive, and it was not alive. Okay. Well, there were no signs. There was no signs of blood. Uh, there was just a uh, uh, an animal laying face down. An animal? An animal, and you know what an animal is. It's not a vegetable or a mineral. Okay. It's a body, and you know what I'm talking about. I understand what you're talking about, George. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm going to send the deputy then over to your house so you can lead them over to wherever you found what it is. Okay. Found, okay? Now, uh, maybe one of the deputies were out here. They know how to get here because it's 100 Willowcross Circle, and it's kind of hard to find. It's a rat right on the border. So no, I have one of my deputies that responded earlier going over your way. There you go. That's good. You do that. They know how to get here, and I'll have the gate open. Okay. Sounds good, George. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate your help and your patience, and I'm sorry if no I... No problem. I, I understand. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. The caller, 73-year-old George Kelly, wouldn't say exactly what happened or what exactly was found there. It was very cryptic through almost the entire call. Hints were made that maybe he did something when he started quoting the Miranda warning. He also was hinting 
as to what was the thing that he had found there, only saying that it was an animal and not a vegetable or mineral. He also mentioned that medics definitely weren't needed and that a coroner would have to be called at some point. It was all very mysterious, and as a dispatcher, we of course want to know more, not for our own personal benefit, but for the safety of our responding officers. According to court documents, this went one of two ways, either how the prosecution is pushing or how the defendant, George Kelly, is saying. According to prosecution, a group of approximately seven to eight people were traveling north through the Kino Springs area of Arizona from Mexico at around 2.30 p.m. on January 30th. Two individuals from the group state that George opened fire on them randomly with no warning at all. While walking away, one of the group was hit in the back and said to the others in Spanish, I'm hit, then fell to the ground grabbing his chest. His eyes rolled back in his head, and at that point, he had likely passed away. One of the two people, who say they were part of the group that was shot at, came forward reporting this, and also that the 73-year-old man came through the brush and was hunting the group. Both ran back south towards Mexico. They claim that George shot at least eight rounds at them without any warning or provocation. Both of the victims that have come forward say that none of the group was armed. They all fled back to Mexico after this happened. On the defense side, the attorney for Kelly says that he and his wife were eating lunch after he completed chores on the ranch, of which they've lived on for the past 20 years. During their lunch, he heard a single gunshot. Then he saw a horse of his running away at full speed. He then saw a group of men walking through the trees with large backpacks dressed in camouflage, armed with AK-47 style rifles. He claims he knew none of them and they didn't have permission to be on his land. He then called Border Patrol, a specific agent that he had been in contact with numerous times, to tell them what was happening and wanted help. He then told his wife to stay inside and away from windows and to be silent. He then went onto the porch armed with his own rifle, and at that point, he said one of the men pointed their rifle right at him. He then fired several rounds from his own rifle hoping to scare them away. He stated that he was firing warning shots only, taking care to aim well over the heads of the men. The Border Patrol agent, who was classified as a Border Patrol ranch liaison, notified local sheriff's deputies, and they all arrived shortly after on the scene. They searched the property thoroughly by foot and also with special cameras and found nothing. It wasn't until later on in the evening that Kelly decided to go and check on his horse that had ran away earlier. While out and after locating the horse, he noticed his two dogs were focused on something on the ground near a mesquite tree. At that point, he found a body laying face down in the grass. The man found was not armed and did not have a backpack on him. He was wearing tactical-style boots and had a radio with him. The defense claims this is standard for drug runners in the area coming across the border and using Kelly's Ranch as sort of a highway to transport their drugs. They have also stated that Border Patrol comes to the ranch very frequently, between 30 and 40 times in January alone, and that Kelly called the Border Patrol agent first because he had so much contact with him due to presumed drug runners coming onto his property. The frequency of the visits was so much that the agent had a key to the ranch. Because of some supposed varied statements from Kelly to the Border Patrol agent 
and the fact that a person had been killed. The prosecution had initially charged Kelly with first-degree murder, but amended that charge to second-degree murder and added two counts of aggravated assault. He was also being held on a $1 million cash bond, but that has also been changed to a surety bond, which allows Kelly to put up property as collateral. At the moment, this has been held over to Superior Court. The trial hasn't happened. It's an ongoing case, and we likely won't know the full outcome for quite some time. We may all have some sort of opinions not only as to what happened, but also if Kelly should have or should not have been charged in this. I don't know that we will ever know for certain what happened in this exactly. We'll just have to wait for the trial. What's happening there? Um, my husband just busted my window, bashing on my door. Um, he just busted my front window, and now he's outside screaming. Kids, go in your room. Go in your room. Does anyone have a weapon? I do. I have a weapon. What kind of weapon do you have, ma'am? Um, I have. Oh my gosh, a revolver. Hey, kids, come here. Do you have it on you right now? Yes, I do. And what's his name? Cameron Vincent. Oh my God, he's busting on my on my window. Cameron, I'm gonna, I'm, ma'am, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill this man. Listen, Get out listen. Get out of my house. I need medical. Advice. Okay, where where is he at right now? He's just in the house. He's just through our window. He's where? Um, where? Where is Cameron at? He just left. Which way I did think, he go? I don't know. I have no idea. Is he on foot or in a vehicle? He's in a vehicle. What kind of car does he drive? A uh, 2015 Blue Pathfinder. He's back. He's back in my house. He's back in my house. I'm here. Okay, listen. Where's your gun? Where's your gun? What's happening?
What happened? Okay, listen. Did he shoot? on the way, lights and sirens, and I got the medics going, okay? What's going on? I shot him, he's down. You shot him? You shot him? Okay, okay, listen, listen, listen. I need you to secure your gun. Does he still have a gun? The call that was available cuts off there. One more call was placed from inside during all this, and this one from a child witnessing what was happening. Okay, what's going on that you need police? Come to the phone. Come talk to me. Hello? Hello? He has a gun up to um, my mom's friend's head. Hurry up, please. Who does? Come. Um, Cameron Tinted has a gun up to his head. Who's Come, Cameron? Who's Cameron? Cameron Tinted, the person that's trying to shoot somebody in our own house. Okay, can you get your mom and go outside? No, I cannot. He says my baby sister is me in this room. Okay, can you take your mom and go into your bedroom? I need you guys, or you, and no. take the baby to your bedroom. No, it's because he has a freaking gun. Where's I know, I know he has a gun. I'm trying to get you and your baby sister safe. Okay. How old are you? I'm nine years old. My brother said my other sister died at the house. Okay, where is he at with the gun now? Alright, where is he with the gun? I don't know what to tell you now. Okay, can you answer my question? Where is he with the gun? Well, um, he is not even alive now. Who is what? Cameron's not even alive now. What do you mean by that? He's gone. Gone where? He's on the floor laying down. Las Vegas police released both of these terrifying 911 calls from a home in the 2900 block of Seasons Avenue. It was very early morning, just around 4.30 a.m. During the calls, as you heard, a man by the name of Cameron Pinson, the first caller's ex-husband, could be heard yelling in the background as the caller described what was happening there. Cameron was outside yelling and trying to get inside. You could hear him in the background being pretty loud. 
Inside the residence was the person on the phone as well as her kids and her new boyfriend. The caller stated she was armed with a gun. She was trying her best to stay calm and to get her kids into a different room. About a minute into the call, glass breaking can be heard and then a lot of screaming from both the caller and Cameron. He had made entry into the home. Almost as quickly as he entered, he went back outside. He then came back in and hit a small child inside and was now armed with a gun and then put the gun to the boyfriend's head. While this was happening, the caller repeatedly asked the dispatcher, what do I do? Obviously, this is a terrible thing to be happening, but it's also a very difficult spot for a dispatcher to be in. You're not there, so you can't tell 100% what is happening. Laws also vary from state to state as to what would legally justify defending yourself or others with deadly force. In circumstances like this in my state, I would have told the caller to do whatever it is she feels necessary to keep her and her family safe. We are unable to just say, shoot, because, as I said before, we can't always tell exactly what's going on. In this case, though, the caller does shoot. Cameron Penson was struck by that single gunshot you heard on the call. He died from his injuries. Had the caller not been armed, this could have gone much differently. Some of the calls I've played on this show have the opposite to happen. You've heard family members get hurt or worse. No one really knows the full intent of Pinson when he entered the home, but an ex-husband breaking through a window at such an early hour armed with a gun usually doesn't have the best of intentions. Lieutenant Ray Spencer with the Las Vegas Police Department has gone on record stating, this is a unique situation where you have the 911 call that captures pretty much the entire incident from beginning all the way to the end. So it is unique in the sense that you don't usually have that type of evidence outside of video in a case like this. At the time of recording, no charges have been filed against the caller. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Also, follow the show on all social media, which is linked in the show notes, and head over to patreon.com for ad-free and early access episodes, as well as bonus content. Speaking of early access and bonus content, another episode has just been uploaded to Patreon, this time in both audio and video. This was a collaboration I had with a podcast called Stop the Killing, where I talked with the show's host, Sarah, and her co-host, Catherine, who helped develop the FBI's active shooter program about the recent school shooting in Nashville. If you want access to that right now, head over to patreon.com and listen to it before the video portion is released to YouTube. Yes, you heard that right. Music City 911 is now on YouTube. Right now, I'm uploading all my previous episodes, as well as all the new ones, to YouTube. Just hop on over to youtube.com and search for Music City 911. You'll find me there. Hit the subscribe button and bell icon to get notified when the new episodes hit. And don't worry, I'll still be putting out my episodes primarily on your favorite podcast app. That'll do it for this episode, and until next time, for Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good one.